Everybody, welcome to episode 58 of the Bomber Brothers podcast, part of the Pinstripe Alley community of podcasts. Sean and Ryan here as always, and here to um, recap another previous Yankee season. This time we're doing 2009, the last team to win a World Series. Uh, before we dive into this, Sean, I guess any the only current events really. Trevor Plouffe making waves. Yeah, Trevor Plouffe uh, using using his sources to that was eventually backed by Jeff Passan regarding uh, teams starting you know preparing to uh, to send or ownership preparing to send out proposals to the players association that would include restarting spring training as early as June 10th and then hoping to start in early July. Again, this is just something that you just have no idea how real it is because that's still a ways away, and we really don't know how under control this situation is going to be by then, and we don't know how the players are going to feel about playing by then or you know what, what the outlook is going to be in terms of the virus containment itself. So it's you know, hard to get excited about stuff like that. Um, but hearing about baseball in early July, just a couple weeks before my 30th birthday, that would be pretty awesome. Given how long it's been, I would probably spend the entire month doing nothing but watching baseball. Probably won't be able to go to games or anything like that because I'd imagine it's not going to be with fans involved. But um, we'll see. I mean, in, in the meantime, we have the KBO. Yeah, I um, I haven't really watched much of the KBO, but from what I've watched, I haven't really been distracted by, you know, and anything in terms of the way they've altered their game. Seems no, no. Me. yeah, I, st- I stayed up late the first night to watch it, and I mean, it, like the absence of fans wasn't too, you know, glaring. At least not from watching on on TV. So, I. I'm all for it if it's as long as it's uh, safe for the for the players involved, and you know, obviously, I'm sure a lot of it depends on if they can get widespread testing throughout the league and things like that. But it'll it'll be interesting to see like the comfort level of players if if that's if that is the proposal and that's the case to see if they're comfortable coming back um, that soon. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, it seems like things have like I feel like there's th- things have taken a turn for the better as of late, but still ways away. Um, if they think it's safe and and we can get some baseball, that's great. But I mean, safety comes first. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm more hopeful this week than I have been that we'll see a, a little baseball this year, even if it's some fugazi tournament towards the end of the year, but. Yeah, I don't know if we'll start in July, but we'll see. I mean, it's only May seventh, so um, we'll see where things go. 
Absolutely. Uh, the other news, I guess, was regarding Aaron Judge, and he's his rib is still healing. I guess that's not really news. I mean, ribs take a long time to heal, so Judge is still healing. They, you know, they said even if even if opening day is soon, he still might not be fully healed by then. So, could you imagine if the season started on time? We'd be freaking out. Like it's May seventh, we still haven't seen him. Yeah. Uh, well, people so. will be freaking out if it's almost July 1st and they still haven't said, you know, Judge will definitely be ready to go. Speaking of ready to go, I, it was like last week I meant to bring it up, but did you see the video Gary Sanchez posted? It was just like, I'll be ready. And it was just like a mixtape of him working out. Nobody gets no. me more. Nobody gets me more hyped from their workout videos than Gary Sanchez. <laughs> I just, I get so excited when I see them. Yeah, I, I love Gary. So I'm definitely missing him hitting bombs like he was at this time in 2019 when he was like carrying the team him and Luke Voigt yeah yeah that was fun cool all right so So, go ahead I was gonna say the 2019 did a lot of mashing yeah yeah they did I mean any team with Mark Teixeira and Alex Rodriguez are gonna do a lot and Robinson Cano are gonna do a lot of mashing this was uh arguably one of the best infields of all time and they certainly they certainly played that way. You look at you look at everyone in the infield. It's there's OPS pluses of 141, 121, 125, uh, 138. It was not bad. No, no, it was stacked. Obviously, it took long for some of them to get going because A Rod was hurt coming into the season, and Teixeira was struggling without A Rod protecting him in the lineup for the for the first while, and he was also adjusting to his to his new surroundings and playing in new york for his first season um but i guess before the season started didn't even know if Teixeira was was going to be on the team and he was the cherry on top of a a massive spending spree when the yankees acted like the yankees and broke the bank to get some superstars like cc sabathia and and Teixeira. Yeah, I, I just remember after 08 was kind of a flop with the closing of the new stadium. It just felt like such a turning of the page between 08 and 09, sort of the way that you felt with getting Cole. Like you knew this would be a, a big moment in Yankee history, big offseason in Yankee history. And um, yeah, the Steinbrenner is delivered by reeling in CC and, um, and Burnett pretty much right away. And um I mean, I think that was pretty much expected. You knew they were going to go after CC super hard. Um, it was just a matter of if CC wanted to come to the East Coast and, and money talks, and they gave him the opt out and everything like that. Um, they made a small move and got this, you know, Nick Swisher, who was going to be the first baseman, and Xavier Nady was supposed to play right field. Remember that? Oh yeah. Till he uh, tore his uh, tore his uh, UCL on a throw in Tampa. But anyway. Um, I remember, like, I wanted to share a so bad, a switch hitter. He had killed the Yankees that year before. Remember, he hit, like, a grand slam against them earlier, like, when he was with the Angels. Mm-hmm. Everything bad happens against the Angels. But, um, yeah, I, I was walking out of Pizzeria Uno, and on the TV it comes up the Yankees of Simon Mark Teixeira, and I was, like, jumping up and down and screaming in the middle of Pizzeria Uno. I was so excited that they got Teixeira. And, um I really think that's what put this team over the top is is that acquisition. I mean, he puts up a monster year. I think he has the highest OPS plus on the team um, and is the second most valuable position player 
after Jeter in terms of war. Yep. And um, people forget how good Tex was his first first couple of years in, in the Bronx. He was he was a beast. He hit 39 homers, 122 RBI, and he had a, an on base of 383. So pretty good. Yeah, pretty, Teixeira, pretty good. <laughs> Teixeira was Teixeira was incredible. I mean, he was one of those mega contracts that. You know, you saw the worth of the signing right away, and obviously he also winds up having a huge moment in the postseason as well. So, so it was, uh, yeah, it was great to have, um, you know, a big signing like that make such a such a big impact in his first year. I remember running and buying his jersey like whenever the first day that it came out um, in Champs or Models or wherever it was after, shortly after after he signed he was just that exciting of a signing like you said he was an mvp caliber switch hitting corner infielder and just another dynamic bat and just like thinking of him and a rod batting consecutively in that lineup was uh was pretty exciting to think about and then obviously on top of that now you have a prolific ace to lead the pitching staff and a ridiculous glove too i mean think about how great he was defensively I mean, insane. And he actually had, I mean, in my opinion, he had two huge hits in the postseason. One obviously being the walk-off in the um, in the division series against the Twins. But also, Yankees are down one nothing in game two. The offense hasn't done anything against Cliff Lee and Pedro up to that point. And uh, oh, yeah. Teixeira wakes them up, hits a homer. I, thought that, I think that's an underrated home run that kind of gets the Yankees going in the World Series. No, absolutely. That's probably the most important game of the season oh yeah for sure so before we before we get to that we can obviously talk about the regular season so what uh what games stick out to you most obviously there's a lot of uh, what, 15 walk-offs yeah with all the yeah. all the walk-offs a lot of pie in the face I remember they, they start off terribly. I mean, I was looking at their I was looking at their season um, thing, and they on what the hell date is this? On May twelfth, they were fifteen and seventeen. Which yeah, and they couldn't I mean, beat Boston. Oh yeah, and even even they get up to um, they get up to thirty four and twenty three on June eighth. So in under a month, they they make an eleven game swing. And then they lose three straight to Boston again. Then they come in and play the Mets and get get rolling again. But anyway, I mean, the the things that stick out on a positive note are when the game A-Rod comes back is absolutely incredible. Um, I was actually listening to John Stearns when that happened. John that was fun. I was on my way to go see the Killers and uh, listen to the game on the radio before we went to concert. But um, I would say like that game's the first game that really sticks out in my mind. That crazy back and forth game on the second game of the of the new stadium was pretty good mm-hmm. too. And then um, I don't know. I just remember early on it was just like waiting for a Rod to come back, and it was a weird feeling because you spent years not liking the guy, and then you don't have him in the lineup, and nobody's pulling their weight early on. I mean, Melky had a couple big hits, but Teixeira started off horribly. Yeah. Remember when he was just like slamming his helmet down, but like not at full strength. Like he was <laughs> so upset the one game, and uh, you know Matsui didn't get off to the greatest of starts. I feel like, and 
You know, Burnett pitched some big games early, too. I remember that because Chiming Wong had nothing, and it winds up being, you know, a lost year for Wong. And CeCe had a, a bad first game, but um, Burnett pitches a couple big games early to turn turn around a couple series, and um, and that really keeps them in the thick of things. And, and then, you know, you get to May, and they have the walk-off weekend and against the Twins after A-Rod is back. Um and, and they kind of get rolling from there, except not being able to beat Boston. One funny thing I saw on the first walk off of the year, John, uh, Michael K says a long day's journey into night comes to an end. And when A-Rod hits the walk off against um, the Red Sox in the 15th, he said a long night's journey into day comes to an end. Dude, can you be any, any more <laughs> cheesy? Like, I, I, cause I watched all the walk-offs as we got ready for this episode. I'm like, wait, I just heard him say this. And it was just like, he switched day and night. Oh my God. What a weirdo. <laughs> anyway, he's, he's the worst. Um, but when I ran into him in the garden, he reassured me that Jeter would be resigned in 2011. So good, good, good job. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I do which I don't know which walk offs you choose, but I, I mean, I kind of just remember they got rolling that weekend against the Twins, stumbled against the Red Sox, then got back up and just cruised the rest of the way. If they had played the way they played in the second half of this season, they'd be the greatest team of all time, without a doubt. And I think the early struggles influence heavily the way that this team is remembered because this team was dominant. Yeah, I mean, you like you said, you, you brought up the numbers. Uh, be under 500 through almost 35 games and they wind up winning 103 overall it i mean if if you have a healthy a-rod all season this you know, this team could make a a push towards the 98 yankees in regular season win total um and for and for a-rod himself after what happened in during the off season and and not just that he was dealing with with a hip injury and for him to hit a home run on his first pitch back, I think was probably massive for him, especially given, you know, his postseason struggles before that. And just pretty much, you know, a lot of turbulence in October during his Yankee tenure. Obviously this was still far from October, but that's what a lot of people knew him for. And I think it was important for him to hit that home run on the first pitch to kind of remind everyone like, okay, He's had some postseason struggles, but this guy is probably the most valuable player on this team and has been for a few years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was a big that was a big moment and a sign of things to come. It was it's weird the way sometimes baseball foreshadows itself. But um by the way, if they had played at their second half pace throughout the whole year, they would have matched the hundred fourteen win ninety eight team. So pretty good. Yeah. Um and this this year also was, um, you know, I don't I don't want this to get lost. Robinson Cano's coming out party is really 2009, um, in my opinion. He hits 320 uh, with a one you know 25 homers. That's a that's a monster year, and um, I think part of the Yankees letting Matsui walk after the year is is realizing they have a new middle of the order bat in Robinson Cano after a down 2008. Um, he has a big year. They'll yeah. still eventually trade Melky to, to get him to focus more. But. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and if I were, it's hard to keep track of all of them, but I believe both Melky and Cano had walk-offs during the regular season. Uh, I think Melky had two. Yeah, I know. I know Melky had a couple. You know what? I was the, early on too. A lot of those walk-offs were when they were losing. 
like Melky hit one against the Angels or Posada when they were losing like 8-7 or something like that. Melky had one where they were losing. And Cano hit two walk-off home runs like two weeks apart, I think, as well. And A-Rod probably has the most memorable one of them all, which was... The 15th against the Red Sox? No, I was going to say the walk-off pop-up oh. <laughs> error. <laughs> um, they dropped the ball. Yeah, it's just... I remember watching that game and just how, you know, it's like one of those things where A-Rod pops it up, slams the bat, and it's like, all right, you know. I, I was reaching for almost, Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. almost about to just turn the game off. And the, the best part about, I think what was so great about that moment is you see Castillo just like, just not quite able to settle under it. He has to like keep, you know, taking a few extra steps, taking a few extra steps into the outfield. And you're like, oh shit, like this, this might drop. And I think what's lost in that moment is Teixeira because he scores all the way from first on that pop-up in the shallow right field. You know, give him credit. He was he was busting ass around the bases on what looked like a routine pop-up that was going to end the game. I think like I think after you're like, oh shit, he dropped the ball. Like the Yankees still have a chance, and then you're like, barely you barely even have time to realize like, wow, like. Teixeira, Teixeira's like rounding third already. Like, and Teixeira's not a fast guy. He was just there were two outs, and give him credit, he busted it right. You know, as soon as their contact was made, Teixeira was very uh, machine like in his fundamentals, and just <laughs> that's that's exactly what um, what he had to do. And I mean, that's what you're supposed to do is run it out, two outs. So good. I wonder how much has to do with him running, and how much has to do with. For some reason, when Castillo picks the ball up, he throws it to second base and not home. That's that's yes. to me is the, the one of the weirder parts of that play that, that don't get remembered. Um, but yeah, that was that was odd. But yeah, that was a crazy crazy, and that was a really good game too. You know, people re- don't remember Mariano struggled early. Yeah, he blew a couple saves, and he blew a save that game too. He brought it got brought in the eighth, and I think David Wright had like a double off the right center field wall. Remember that whole season? It was about the jet stream to right center. Everything yeah. that was going out, especially in the first series, we we, yeah. we were at the first game at, at the new Yankee Stadium, which was not one to to remember. Uh, at, at least Posada hit the uh, hit the first homer. Yeah, to like dead center, I think. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, and then as those that opening series got going, all the talk was about about the jet stream, and the Yankees just get absolutely massacred a couple games later. What was it like? 22 to nothing or something like that yeah they they got murdered yeah so yeah i remember i remember a lot of the talk, the talk being the jet stream i remember reading a couple articles where like scientists were like brought on to talk, to talk about it because the new stadium was or the old stadium was still up it was influencing the yeah <laughs> being the thing oh man i don't it's 385 out there i mean these guys are major leaguers yeah it's been like that forever uh, all right. Uh, yes, but you you did bring up another walk off that stands out, which was A Rod's walk off off Tazawa when the Yankees started finally figuring out the Red Sox because they they started out what zero and eight against Boston that year. Mm-hmm. And they finished nine and eight. And or even ten and, yeah yeah ten and eight. And even you know even when the Yankees started to turn it around overall they were still struggling initially against against the Red Sox which you know obviously when it comes to Yankees Red Sox it's easy to forget about any other success when you're getting absolutely dominated by your t- 
top rivals every game, but then they start to figure it out. A-Rod's walk-off certainly helps. Um, there's obviously a bunch of other walk-offs during that season, but there's other memorable moments as well. Mo had his 500th save that year. Also had an RBI in, in the same game, right? Yeah, against the Mets. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Gardner almost had the cycle in that series against the Mets, but CC was running in front of him. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he told that story on R2C2 and I was, I was at that game and I remember I was sitting in the upper deck. So I had a nice view of it and CC gets on base and then Gardner comes up and, you know, hits one down the line that you think is a double, but CC is running in front of him. And I remember after the game, I said to my wife, Gardner would have had the, the cycle. And then he brings it up on R2C2 10 years later, but Melky gets it eventually. Another nice moment. Yep. Did you stay up for the whole Tazawa game? Yeah. Uh, yeah, me too. We're watching it together. I don't think so. I think I was at Dad's. I was at Dad's watching it. Maybe we were uh, watching it together. Maybe we were then. <laughs> Funny. Uh, so, let's see. What other moments are there that are not besides the walk-offs? There was, um, there was, I mean, there was the whole but, Brian Cashman visit to, to Atlanta. Didn't... Didn't Cervelli hit a big home run that game in Atlanta? I like think that so. Was, yeah, that was a big, big thing in that game. He hit his only home run of the year, and uh, and that kind of got them going. Yeah, Cervelli was not known for his power, but he stepped up because Posada and Jose Molina got hurt that year, and Cervelli stepped up. He was batting something like two seventy or something, being a very more than serviceable third string catcher. And yeah, one of his biggest hits was was during that series in Atlanta. Who knows what Cashman said or like what that visit was, but the Yankees absolutely went on a roll after that. Yeah, I remember they played the Nationals and the Marlins, and they lost like two out of three both series before that. I remember that was that was another down moment. And yeah, then Cashman goes down to Atlanta, does whatever kind of devil magic Cashman works, and, and they were on on the races. And away we go. And and away they went. Another big win. Um, I, to me, the, like the defining moment of the regular season is that four game set against Boston because they're zero yeah. and eight, zero and nine against Boston, zero and eight against Boston going into that series, and you're just you know you need to make a statement. They come out, they win the first game. Jabba versus John Smoltz. Yeah, wasn't it like a? Uh, it was a pretty big slugfest if I if I remember. Yeah, it was, um, it was a high-scoring game. Thirteen to six. All right, well, there you go. And then the next night is the Tazawa game, two nothing. Then CC goes out, throws a gem. They win five nothing. And the next night, one of my more underrated games of the year, Pettit goes out and shoves. Ara hits a homer to put them up. But then Phil Coke, I think it was, gives up a, a two-run shot to. Um, Victor Martinez, who the Red Sox had acquired. Oh, yeah. And then um, then in the eighth inning, Damon and Teixeira go back-to-back and a belly-to-belly off Josh Bard. Yeah. And uh, that was crazy. I was at that game. That was nuts. And then they sweep them in four games, which is absolutely incredible. And uh, to me, that's sort of the statement series of the regular season. And after that, it was just cruise control to the division title. Yeah, and then, you know, it's – the Yankees had already like taken control of the division and then they go to Fenway again later in the year and destroy them again and kind of just like 
to let everyone know who's uh who's taking who's taking this division. And but yeah, that, then, that, the, then the Red Sox come back and we smack them around again. And yeah, don't, didn't we clinch in that Sunday game against the against them? I believe so. Oh, this is cool. I just I, yeah, I just found. Um, I think I just found the list of everyone who got pied. So Melky did three times. A Rod two, and then one. One each was Damon, Posada, Swisher, Cervelli, Matsui. Oh, at the end of the list, Castillo, parentheses, okay, not actual pie. Didn't Juan Miranda have a walk-off, yep. like a walk-off error or infield yes. single? That hit off Kyle Farnsworth, I think. A walk-off error was kind of the highlight of the season with Castillo, and then we'll talk about it more in the ALCS. Oh, yeah. <laughs> walk-off, walk-off errors certainly uh, helped this team. So I, I remember very vividly after Matsui, that was the year they started throwing their helmets too. And A-Rod, if you watch the video, has this weird fascination with getting the helmets that are thrown. <laughs> um, but Matsui said that he threw his helmet after his walk-off because those are the team rules, but he doesn't like to show a lot of emotion. <laughs> I remember that very well. But then I'm watching the home runs again yesterday. Matsui pimps the hell out of that. Watch his bat flip after his walk-off home run. It's, it's subtle, but it's there. <laughs> he uh, he's got a little flair to him, so that it, you know Matsui is not fooling me. But yeah, I mean, regular season was super fun. Um, I don't know about you, but I definitely thought probably after that series in August that this team's going to win the World Series. Yeah, yeah, me I too. was I was ready to get hurt again. <laughs> um, but there was there was still. There's still like one more memorable. Oh no, there's two more in my in my eyes. We had Jeter breaking the the team hit record. I just remember like trying to, you know, actually it wasn't really that hard to stay up because I was 19 at the time and working in a restaurant, so didn't really have to be up very early. But there was the long there was the long rain delay, and much like his last hit at Yankee Stadium, very Jeter esque hit to to break the record, base hit right inside the the right field line. And then I can't believe I was about to skip over this, but we have to talk about the regular season finale because of of a rod, which is still one of the craziest. I still think that's one of the craziest parts of the regular season. It was just like, no way did he just do this? And you just, you wonder like, you know, how important was that for him to like take off in the postseason as well to end his regular season you know, needing seven RBIs to get to a hundred after missing the first month of the season, and he gets it all in in one inning on a three-run homer and a grand slam. It was insane. Pretty good. Teixeira's reaction was even better in the <laughs> dugout. Teixeira makes a lot of good faces, but yeah, that was crazy, crazy clutch. And um, so he ends the regular season like that. Then they go into the postseason, and you know, it's. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted on the regular season? I'm sorry. No, that's no. A, that's a, that's a good cap. No, but, now we um, can get to game one of the playoffs, which gives me anger every time we talk about it. All right, because Jeter hit a big homer, and you could have been there, but you weren't. Yes, because you had racquetball class. Yes, which Dad denies to this day. Even though I remember, I was coming. I was going to college at Kane at the time. I was going down the Parkway checking prices on StubHub on my phone, which in 2009 was not a great interface. No. (laughs) 
And I was like, we could go for like $80. Like, let's go. And you're like, I have racquetball. Yeah. Dad said I can't. I'm like. So the, so the backstory is that was my first year in college and I needed one more credit to be full time. So I just had to throw in a random class. It was racquetball 101. I was like, all right, like just something to like have fun with. I've never played racquetball before. And it was like Wednesday night once a week. And I had the class. I had never missed it before. And I remember you texting me about the playoff prices. And I was like, okay, like I can definitely do that. Let's go. I mean, it was the Yankees didn't even make the playoffs the year before. Going to the first playoff game at the new stadium, it was you wanted to you wanted to be there. And then uh, we, we were still living under dad's roof. So his his word kind of was was had had to be uh, followed. And he denies it, but it absolutely is true. Said that we couldn't go because of I couldn't miss school. And yeah, I, I just remember so well. Like I missed the first half of the game because of because of that class. And I I remember so well, like taking a break in between game racquetball games or whatever it was, and seeing your text like Jeter just hit a home run to tie it, and just like wasn't even happy. I was just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Could have been at this game. My favorite player hits a huge home run. By the way, I can't believe that home run isn't even shown in the World Series video. That was like because the Yankees go down early. Not? I don't think so. I know it's shown in the the like the season video. No, I'm almost positive it's not shown in the World Series video. We have to double check, but that's such a huge moment because you know CC struggles early and you're. And you think about years past, the Yankees hadn't made it past the ALDS since 2004. They just keep getting knocked out in the first round. And I know it's the Twins, but you're almost like, oh, God, here we go again. Like, not going to get out of the first round. And then Jeter just kind of, like, settles everyone down with with that home run. Yeah. Big homer. Would have been nice to be there. Yeah, Swisher that? also had a big hit that game. I remember that too. He hit the double and then he like pounced his chest when he gets to yeah, uh, very similar to the to the what he did yeah. in the big Fenway comeback a, a few years later. Yep, last big hit for Swisher in the postseason. Um, <laughs> first and last. No, he had the big home run in the 2010 ALCS when they were down three one. That's that was it. Yeah, yeah, that's but, true. But we have to give him credit for that one. All right. We give him a little credit. Um, um, all right. Well, I mean, then we got game two, which is probably a I mean, probably. Th- there's, there's three really good games of the postseason. Game two, game two, and then game four of the World Series. But game three of the World Series is also very underrated. Because they're down Game three two of the game. World Series. Yeah. Uh, but game two of the ALDS, um, I remember uh, – you know, they're down 3-1, and the offense isn't doing it. And you're like, this shit again with this team not hitting in the postseason. And we've yep. seen this before, 2005, 2006, 2004, 2007. What the heck is going on? And they're losing 3-1, and, uh, you know, the Twins being the Twins, find a way to screw it up. And um, I don't know. I remember A-Rod hit that home run just going nuts in the ninth inning. And, and Teixeira has a big single before that, beats the shift with a line drive. Um, A-Rod gets into a nice count and it's, I think it's perfect because it's a huge home run for A-Rod's career. Probably the biggest in terms of his, in terms of his legacy. I think that's probably what people will, will look to, look to as the turning point, but it's the prototypical A-Rod homer too. Like 
just a little bit to the right of center, just yeah. goes with the pitch and just completely crushes it. Does the little flare fist pump fist to the pump dugout. To the dugout, dugout. Yeah. That was and cool. uh, the place goes nuts. Yeah, that was that was great. And then and then a huge and then a huge showing by the by the bullpen. You had and and, and the umpires. And the umpires, yes. <laughs> it's so fun. That was like you know, you, you had the, the left and right field umpires for the for the postseasons to increase the um likelihood of you know getting the <laughs> getting the right call. Um replay was only there for home runs still, which we'll get to in the World Series with A Rod again. Um but, you know, you watch that replay and it's just it's just not even close. It was so obviously fair. You just you wonder mm-hmm. like how he missed it. It it was the left field umpire, all, he literally just turns right around. He's in perfect position. Melky makes that leap for it, and yeah. it's just so clearly a fair ball. But hey, I I yeah. wonder if you could ask the third base umpire from that game and the first base umpire from or second base, whoever would have the call from the um, Tony Tarasco uh, Jeter Jeffrey Mayer game, what their call would have been, what they would say, and if it, it would have been different. Like if yeah. you gave truth serum, <laughs> interesting. But anyway, well, it works out for us, and and that, this is also the arrival of, of Houdini. This game. Yep. This is a great game. I mean, you get the like the D Rob Houdini is born. A Rod hits a huge homer, and uh, Teixeira. Also, also, also a big game from AJ Burnett, who yeah, would sure. go on to have another massive, massive game in this postseason. Obviously, you know it was it was also typical Burnett because he showed his nasty stuff, only allowing one run in six innings. Also walked five people. Yeah, that's that's AJ for you. <laughs> and then and then the Yankees complete the sweep in in Minnesota two days later against Carl Pavano. Yeah, who was <laughs> <laughs> who was shutting them down again? Like the Yankees, the offense wakes up thanks to a Rod, but in reality, they really didn't show up much. And then you get into Game Three, and you're like, oh my god, like this is happening again. Like now the Yankees can hit. Literally, Carl Pavana. We've seen this before, where the Yankees can hit guys like Jerry Wright and Kenny Rogers. <laughs> it was, it was absurd. But luckily, oh, pe- luckily they had Pettit, who would be on the mound for every clinching game, and uh, and they the offense comes alive late. But this was this was a, you know, they were down one nothing going into the seventh inning. Posada homer that game too, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, Posada, Posada and A-Rod. Yep. Uh, cool. Carl Pavana was left in a little too long. Just a bit. And then it's and then it's off to the ALCS, first time since since 2004. And um and away they went. Yeah, so CC starts his uh quest for the ALCS MVP in game one shuts down the Angels and this was a big deal because the Yankees still really hadn't shrugged that Angels demon off their back so this was this was the time to do it I remember being scared going into the series just simply because of past experience experiences against the Angels pretty much the opposite of how you feel going into a series against the Twins yeah but they but they take game one beat John, beat John Lackey 
was was this the game? No, I think it was. I think it might. I think it was game five then when uh when Sosha comes to take out Lackey and he's like really pissed off and he's like, "Come on, coach, this is mine." <laughs> and Sosha's having none of it. He's not. He wasn't going to pull a Grady Little. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was. Yeah, that was game five. Because that yeah they they were in L A for for that. This is mine. Yeah. Game five, by the way, they almost come all the way back. Well, I mean, they do come back, but they, they almost win that game. Yep. Um, a couple of tough ones out in L.A., of course. Game three and in game, in game five. But Yankees would, would take care of business without a problem. Yeah. So, I mean, it starts, again, with CeCe's gem in game one. Then the Yankees walk off in, in game two, which was another crazy game because they almost don't even get to that 13th inning. Because they were losing in the in the bottom of the eleventh. Yeah, that's uh, another A Rod two run homer when you're down by two. Just yeah. continuing the the postseason of A Rod, which at this point is becoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was absolutely insane. Then the thirteenth, you had uh, Jerry Jerry Harrison leads it off with with a single, and uh, and then Cano gets the sacrifice down, and then. Then you just, at that feeling you just you had a feeling it was it was over. Didn't, yeah. didn't think it was going to happen the way it did with a uh, with an error, but hey, you take it how you can get it. Exactly. And then, like you mentioned, a devastating loss in Game Three, where the the Yankees were looking to just take complete control of the series, but they wind up losing. In 11 innings, and seems like they pretty much take their anger out in game four after losing that game because they absolutely demolished. Murdered, yeah. 10, ten to one in game four. I always love a playoff game like that. But then they come back and lose game, game five, and they head back to the stadium, headed on the mound again. Good to go. Yeah, they have the they have the big the big fourth inning, and I remember what a relief it was in the eighth inning because it had a very had a very game five twenty seventeen feel because they were only winning by one and you were like you know they please just like get some insurance so I can breathe like because when you're up when you're up three two in the series it's it feels like a game seven because you don't want anything to do with a game seven because it's just too damn stressful and. And then another, and then the Yankees capitalize on another error when um, you know Melky score Melky drops down a sack bunt and Scott Casimir has the, has a throwing error, and then Teixeira has a sack fly later, and that gives them the cushion that they need to kind of get me to settle down at least, <laughs> and then they're going back to the World Series. Mo closing it out again with the with the whistle. After the strikeout, <laughs> I remember that they still played that, and yep. yeah, I mean it, it. It felt like where they belonged to be. I I don't know about you, but for me, this was the most expected World Series. I feel like I just I don't know, like not expected like when we were kids, like oh the Yankees are the best. It was just like I, I don't mean to take away from it, but this was a bought team with one purpose in mind, and they they accomplished what they what they were assembled to do, get to the World Series. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was it was a good blend. Like the core four was still together, and then they were assisted by the Yankees flexing their financial might, which is when you have that advantage, of course you should use it. Mm-hmm. And 
And those big pieces came up huge because CC was the MVP of, of the ALCS. Uh, Teixeira had a few big home runs. Burnett uh, won, you know, arguably the biggest must-win game of the season. So all the uh, all the big signings came through. Of course, we go to the game where there was absolutely nothing to cheer, <laughs> nothing to cheer about. It was it was brutal. I mean, Cliff Lee absolutely shuts the Yankees down. You have like that nonchalant, just like sticks his glove out on that pop up, and Chase Utley absolutely demolishes two home runs. They don't even get to see Jay Z perform because it was like rainy that night, so they pushed it to Game Two. And it was like, man, we should have waited to go to Game Two. That would have been a yeah, cool game to be at, for sure. Oh, man, I can't believe we spent that much money to see Cliffley just shut them down. But at least Dad stole a bunch of pins. <laughs> yeah, for everyone everyone listening, Dad came back. Our Dad came back from the bathroom um, at the game, and he's like, "Man, they had this they had this huge like tub of all these free pins, and I just grabbed a handful. And obviously, they weren't free. It was just you know something right on the outskirts of one of the team stores." That our dad just reached in and grabbed a bunch like he was Marv in Home Alone, just reaching his hand into the Salvation Army jar. But anyway. He thought they were free. <laughs> that that was hilarious. Yeah. Alright, so but um so game two, you know, we don't we haven't even mentioned yet that it was Pedro on the mound. Back, that's, back that's in the stadium. The more under, yeah, more underrated things of this World Series is that Pedro, um, Pedro plays, comes back like the, the villain that he is. Yeah, gets uh, gets burned by by two home runs to Shara and and Matsui, and then in the seventh, Posada has a has a huge hit to give them to give Moa a little breathing room, and he does his thing. He pitches two shutdown innings. And the Yankees tie the series, and then it's off to Game Three. This was on Halloween, right? Yes, yes. There was a, a rain delay, right? Yeah. And Pettit took a nap. Was a little little sleepy coming out. And gives up three runs. Yeah. But uh, A Rod gets them going. Yep. So this was the game where he hits the camera, right? With the home run. Am I remembering um, that right? Yes, yes. He hits it, the oppo off the home run. Right um, off the lens of the camera. Yep. So we have our first ever World Series instant replay. And then, um, so yeah, the Yankees knock around Cole Hamels, and, and who comes in after Hamels? Do you remember? J-Hap. Yep. I just knew he pitched in the series, Future. and if since you asked me, I I figured I'd go with it. But Future uh, Yankee legend, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think the big thing is Pettit not only settles down and get an RBI single, right? Yeah, he plays. Is a it big, a RBI single? Yeah, yeah, he plays a big part in knocking uh, Hamels out of the game. I remember it was like a lefty on lefty breaking ball, and he just kind of like served it to left field, and then and then um, Damon doubles him in and. Wow. Helps knock helps knock Hamels out of the game. Swisher has a home run this game. Yeah, I mean Swisher. Yeah, not not a not a high leverage situation as the Yankees comeback had already been on. 
But uh, nice to see him get involved in the mix. And I think Matsui hit a pitch hit home run and it's part of this game too, right? Just part of the, the MVP case continuing. Yep. And then we get to uh, then we get to game four, probably the the best game of the series. It's oh for sure. Yeah, the Yankees are looking to take complete control of the series. They jump out to an early lead, and then the Phillies chip away. Jabba gives up a home run, it, it, but it yep. was the best inning he looked that World Series. Remember, he looked really good and he just gives up a solo shot. Yeah. Um. But. The the ninth inning has some has some great drama. Oh, absolutely! Brad Lidge comes in, who I believe the Yankees had walked off on earlier in the season. Yes, um, I think that was a Melky one on a Fox game. Yeah, um, and and the inning starts with with two quick outs, and you're like, oh god. They're they're going to be in a, a position to to walk it off here, and then Johnny Damon gets on base with a single and and does his thing, which is man, just incredible incredible heads up play when he steals second, realizes nobody's near third base, and then it's just a foot race, which Damon can beat a lot of people in a foot race, so he just takes off. Yeah, I'm glad that Damon has sort of like an iconic moment in the postseason because he had a nice little run with the Yanks, and it's cool to have him sort of in the Yankee lore for the double steal. Yeah, he's got that, and he's got the home run in 2007 ALDS. Yeah, but that one's like not as remembered because they they lose the next night and it's all over. But this is obviously something that plays direct um, into the World Series with, you know, he gets the third and and Teixeira gets hit by a pitch, and then here comes Al. Yeah, and he uh, just rips that rips that ball down the line, scores Damon. Posada follows with a with a single, a two run. Tries single. to get the second. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> he must have been really pumped up. Um, but obviously, the damage had been done by there. And then Mo just completely shuts them down. It was like two weak grounders and a pop up. And then the Yankees yep. have control. They they lose game five but certainly take care of business in game six. Thanks to, thanks to Matt Suey. Oh yeah. I, so game six, it's, yeah, it's Pettit versus Pedro. And in 2009, we should not be this amped up for this kind of matchup, but we are because Pedro had come back and pitched relatively well. He pitched well in game two. They left him in too long and Pettit has pitched the clinching game in all the games this, this postseason. And it's sort of like a combination of this is the team that the Yankees have bought, but this is also the Yankees, uh, Yankees stalwarts of old, both rivals and, and heroes on display. And I remember just being so excited for that game with Andy on the mound, even though he's on short rest. You knew, you knew you were going to get something good out of him. And um, the Pedro walks a rod, I think, on four pitches in the second inning. Yeah, and it was four pitches, and then Matsui works that long at bat, and I believe during that at bat he like crushed a foul ball. Like he that. crushed two foul balls, and it was just one of those things where you're, you know, sometimes you watch an at bat and you're just like, if this guy's going to get out, he's getting himself out because he's not missing. And yeah. Pedro had nothing to get Matsui out with. Nothing like Matsui was all over everything, every borderline pitch he wasn't fooled on. It, it was just one of those at-bats where you knew there was an inevitability that Matsu was going to crush something, and boy, did he ever. Yeah, he destroyed that ball, and then Jimmy Rollins, who 
predicted the Phillies would win in five, which that was already out the window, but he gets a sack fly to put the Phillies on the board, and then Matsui strikes again against Pedro in the third inning. He, like, poked poked that uh, line drive, uh, two-run single. Four-nothing Yankees, four-nothing Matsui. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then... um, and then, he, and then again, this time off Hap. And two innings later, he hits that deep double, which for, I, I believe, that was it was pretty close to a home run. It was like deep to right center. and like, John Sterling thought it was a home run. Yes. I well, wasn't correct. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it was off the wall in right center, I believe, um, like, the, like right by the auxiliary scoreboard. Yeah. And um, one of the all-time great clinching games, game six, Definitely was thinking about Reggie Jackson while that ball was in the air. Like, is he going to get two? Maybe a chance for three, but clears the bases. Um, Pettit pitches fine. He gives, what, three runs in five and two-thirds or something like that? Yeah, it's it's totally crazy uh, to think about how, like, they they went with three starters the whole postseason and never faced elimination. Yeah, that's that's wild. They never really got close to elimination either because – no. even though they they play six game series in the ALCS and World Series, they they're up three games to one in both of those series heading into Game Five. So, yeah. you know, that's the thing. There was not as much drama in a lot of these series. Um, I feel like it wasn't as nerve wracking, but we still got some really nice moments. And one of the more underrated heroes in the World Series was. Marte, pretty much, pretty much a forgotten Yankee most of his time, but Thomas Marte comes up huge and playing a Graham Lloyd like role in handling. Yeah. Um, he did Ryan it. In, he did it in Game Six. Came in and struck out Howard, and then handed the ball to Mo, and that was it. That yeah, that that was it. You got the ball to Mo, and and, and it was over. And uh, Victorino puts up a long at bat, and then he just rolls one over to Cano, and um, and that was it. The Yankees are back on top. Yeah, and a a very good balance to to sum it up. Ground ball to the homegrown Cano throws it to the mega free agent contract to Shara, and the Yankees are started by the the core four legend. Yep, and the Yankees are our world champs. Still the last one we've been able to celebrate, and hopefully that changes soon. But we also went to the parade. That was madness. It was hard to even see anything. There were so many people. Um, you know what? There were so many people, but there was this guy I worked with. He wanted to go to the parade together. I was like, I don't know if I'm going because I really didn't want to go with him. It was kind of annoying. Get on the train. There's thousands of Yankee fans packed into each train car. Yeah. Who am I standing right next to? This freaking kid that I didn't want to go to the parade <laughs> with. Wound up having to hang out with him all day. That's rough. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it was awesome. To, you know, our, my first parade and. Um, we had a pretty good spot. Saw A Rod. Saw pretty much everybody. A Rod had an interesting hat on. We were like right across from Spike Lee. I remember I kept seeing Spike Lee, <laughs> and um, yeah, that was that was fun. But I mean, looking back on it, I kind of feel two ways about this team. One, they were extremely underrated. Two, I definitely feel the least nostalgia for this team, not just because it's new, but I definitely felt like this was a very much a manufactured title. They went out and and paid for it, which, you know, has been true in the past, but this just felt very much like this is what we want to do. This is what we're going to do. And then they went out and and did it. Um, It wasn't as like 
kind of like a warm touchy feely as like 96 or 98 or, or any of the other ones that they've won. Even like the 2017, 2019 teams definitely feel more connection to those teams than, uh, than the 09 team. But the 09 team was really, really good, really, really enjoyable. I just definitely felt a little bit of a, uh, corporate, more corporate feel out of this title, I guess. I, I don't, you know, I don't know if you feel that way too, but uh, still special. Still, I'll take it over. I'll take it over, over any year that they lost. But um, but I don't yeah, know. I, I I feel like I might have used to feel that way, but I feel like as time went on, like you know, CC went on to become one of my favorite Yankees of all time, and I wound up loving Teixeira as, as well. He was great. So it's like those big contracts wound up being really, really likable players for years, and yeah, uh, I, so that I, that I, certainly helped. I, w- I would have preferred if they switched like 2009 to 2011 because by then you have more established relationships with the players. Yeah. But I, I mean, you know, at the time, like, yeah, like you said, like I become a huge Teixeira fan, a huge CC fan. Um, but at the time, it just feels a little, little odd. But there were also really good stories in there that of guys that contradict what I said, like. Watching Matsui do what he does that year in the postseason is absolutely awesome. And, I mean, definitely a Yankee I know. I was really happy he got a ring with the Yankees. And, oh, yeah. you know, at the time, I was a big Johnny Damon fan. I was glad Johnny Damon came over and got got, got a ring, too. Uh, although he had, a you know, some from his Red Sox days, but or one from his Red Sox days. Um, yeah, I felt that way about Cano. I was very happy he wound up getting a ring before he left, which still stings. I mean, I mean, at that time, well, it's good that they didn't give him that contract. Yeah, so good they gave it to Ellsbury instead. Well, that that wasn't smart. <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, so, well, all right, so here, let me ask you a question. Would you rather have given Cano that contract or – The answer is probably would, already but, yes. <laughs> but, you wouldn't, but you wouldn't get Glaber. I don't know. I probably would have gave Cano the contract because – we would have no idea if Glaber was going to become a superstar. Cano already was. But now you know what I'm saying. Looking back on it from today, if you could have had Cano on, you either take Cano's contract or you have Glaber, which one would you rather have? Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. Either way, you're not wrong. I'm just, I'm just asking yeah. you. I would take Glaber, but I certainly think that those dull years of 2013 and 14. He was would, on the team in 2013. <laughs> well, that was because everyone was hurt except him. Um, but like 2014 and 2015, where they just backed into the playoffs, um, I certainly think the outlook would have been a little different if they had Cano. Yeah, I mean, the 2014 team definitely might have been a postseason team. Oh yeah, but. Um, I don't know. 2015 team might have even scored a run in the wild card game if they had Cano. That's well, lefty on lefty. I'll tell you what, though. 2017 team, because you don't lose Glaber because he's not on the team in 2017. If they had if you, Cano, yeah. If you have Cano, you might be winning the World Series. Yeah, because he probably would have gotten you a run or two on the road. Yeah. I mean, he had 23 homers at Safeco that year. And put up a 114 OPS plus. Well, 23 home runs while playing half his games at Safeco. Yeah. Uh, was an all-star that season. But, um, yeah, interesting. Pretty, pretty interesting. All right. Uh, so did you pick 2009, right? I did, sir. 
All right, I'll just back it up a decade, and we'll do 99 next. Ah, Champions of the Heart. Yeah, probably watch that video to prepare. So everyone, uh, watch your 99 highlights. Cue your Chad Curtis walk-offs. I don't think we're allowed to watch that anymore. Yeah, probably not. (laughs) Um, But we will talk about that season next time. Thanks to everyone for listening, and uh, enjoy some KBO baseball in the meantime and then we'll talk to you next week see you later everybody